This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about Ishmael and fruitfulness, so let's take a closer look. Yes, but before we do, I want to apologize to our listeners. Last week, we recorded our podcast for a closer look before I recorded the story. The story never went out because there was a problem Technical difficulty. <laughs> so the story never went out. This is what happens when you don't have a, like a setup and tear down team and like an editing team. And when you don't have a full team to help you with this stuff and you're just doing it between two slash three people, it sometimes you have these things happen. You miss some stuff. So it didn't go out. So if you were wondering about that, I apologize. It will be up. Now, because I'm taking both stories and putting them in yesterday's story. So I'll tell both of these stories parallel to one another. So if you're curious about last week's story and this week's story, you can find it in yesterday's story. Not yesterday's, last week's. Um, I'm sorry. Yesterday's story will have both. You're right. My bad. The week before and last week's. Yeah, my bad. My bad. So... But on that same line, the podcast went out. And so, you know, we talked about like the promise of fruitfulness from Abram through Isaac. Mm -hmm. Well, today I want to talk about the second half of this chapter because there's something really unique that happens in the second half of this chapter. The first half of the chapter is God says, hey, I'm going to make you fruitful and you're going to have a son, and it's going to be Isaac. The second half of the chapter, beginning in verse 15, the text says, God said to Abram, Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. So what's happening here is God is setting up that, hey, Abram, I know you were trying to do the right thing in sleeping with Hagar and producing Ishmael. Like I know that your heart was in the right place in this, but it's not right. I'm actually going to give you a kid from your wife, Sarai. And just as I've told you, your name's no longer Abram, but Abraham, that now I'm, I'm, I'm shifting and I'm doing a new thing in you. I'm doing the same for Sarah. She's no longer going to be Sarai. She's going to be Sarah. I'm doing a new thing in her, which is I'm making the covenant I've made with you now connected to her specifically, whereas previously I just made it through your seed. Okay. So God says, no, now I'm going to do this through Sarah. And I'm going to do some more stuff. And this is the more stuff. Verse 17, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Can Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Okay, now here's, like, this is a good point. 
even narratively, this is a good point. Because back in the Noah story, in the Noahic covenant, God changed it. No longer were people going to be able to live as long as Methuselah, like 900 years old. Now people weren't going to live longer than 120 years. So Abraham says, should I, I mean, can I even have a kid? I'm 100 years old. You've already told me I can't live longer than 20 more years. Like, is this even a good idea? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a valid question on Abraham's yeah. part. Like, that's a very valid question. Can Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child? Right. Like these days, we would tell women that are like 40, like, hey, you probably shouldn't have a kid. Like it's high risk. Yeah. No, no, no. God's saying no. A 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman, you're going to birth a child. And so Abram says, verse 18, and Abram said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live in your sight. So what is Abraham actually saying in this moment? In that verse? Yes. No, like in in all of Abraham's response to God. Okay. So maybe, oh, oh, I get it. He's advocating that Ishmael be the one that passes the covenant. Yes. He's doing the same thing that Moses does in almost like debating with God. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, no, no, no. I don't think, God, I think you missed the piece. Like, why don't we just let Ishmael be this covenant? I'm like, why don't we just let this happen through Ishmael? Mm-hmm. This makes more sense. He's already born. Sarah was on board with it. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just do this this way. What happens? God says no. Yeah. I think there's a reason that God says no. And I realize that this will ask some questions for people because it asks questions for me. Uh, it, yeah. It asks questions for us. We were supposed to record this podcast like, like three, four, four days, days ago. ago. And I like we started I started talking through the text. I couldn't do it. Yeah. We it, both had problems. There there's a problem with this. That the promise was Abraham would bear a son. Abraham bears a son in Ishmael. Mm -hmm. Now he does it through his wife's slave. And so she's a foreigner. Like there there are other things at play here in the story. But God says, no. This is what he says in verse 19. God said, no. But your wife Sarah shall bear you a son, and you shall name him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So now, Abram's made this petition. Abraham has made this petition to God. Hey, just do this through Ishmael. And God says, no, I'm not doing it through Ishmael. You are going to bear a son through your rightful wife, and you're going to name him Isaac. And it's him through I'm going to carry my covenant for. It's him that, like, my grand plan is going to happen through. And I think that's important because in each moment where we look at these stories, lots of times we look at them and go, I got no idea why God allows the things to happen in these stories to happen. Yeah. But the other thing I have to continue to hold to is that as much as I don't understand 
what's happening in these stories. I don't understand what God is doing. Yahweh gave me Jesus right through this covenant. Yeah. Like there must be something at play here that I don't understand. And I'm okay with that because it gave me Jesus. If all I had was the God of the old Testament without Jesus, I would not be a pastor. Right. Jesus is the reason that I'm a Christian. Jesus is the reason that I still ascribe to this book. We are called Christians because of Jesus. Right. There's a reason. But, yeah. but, and this is a huge piece for me. Verse 20. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will bless him and make him fruitful and exceedingly numerous. He shall be the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this season next year. And when he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. So before you move on. Go ahead, buddy. I want to say something. In, in Bible studies and or Sunday school slash Bible studies slash the Bible curriculum that we went through um, in our homeschool program. Um, I don't know what it is, but I guess some way that the story was told, I almost had the view that Ishmael was the bad guy. Oh, interesting. I had this um, construct that I guess maybe because I knew the history that uh, Islam came from uh, Ishmael and maybe it had some sort of like um, religious bias attached to it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the way that the story was told and the way that I had always picked up on it was that God did not favor Ishmael. Um, Interesting. That is just not the way that the text sets it up. Not I, at all. And I'm, I'm wondering who else out there always had that same thing in the back of their head. If um, you felt that way, let us know in the comments. Yeah. If you felt that way, let us know in the comments. Because I, I am really curious. Was that just me? No. Okay, so you had that experience too. Yes, and I've had this conversation with other people who have said yes. That was my experience as well. Okay, so I'm not alone in this. No, but I do want you to think critically about the faith tradition you grew up in right. and why you would have made up that narrative. I wonder... This, this might be my social work brain. Okay. I wonder if it is some sort of religious bias knowing the history um, because that's fairly common knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, they're called the Abrahamic religions for a reason, right? Right. 
Um, and I'm wondering if that is just the lens through which it is taught. And that's just how I picked it up. I don't know. I think it's much more simple than that. Okay. I, I still think, think that is a very valid position. I want to say that. Yes. And I don't think you're far off from what's happening. I think in the faith tradition that we grew up in, the primary motivation of all of the life of faith was to be right. Mm. Think back over your childhood and what you like the Christian experience you were given. Was it not? This is how we tell people we are right and they are wrong. Yes, very much so. That's why you made up this narrative that Ishmael's the bad guy because mm. he's not right. Mm. The text doesn't tell you that. No. Tradition and, told you that. And in fact, when we were talking through this text, when we were supposed to record it, that was the verse that had that gave me lots of problems. And for me, it's the verse that gives me lots of hope. Mm. On this side of it, because here's what I noticed. Well, hold on. The reason I had problems was because in the way that it seems like God is setting this up, the covenant cannot be passed to Ishmael and cannot participate in any way. Right? That's the way it sounds. Mm -hmm. So that was my problem. Well, um, I don't know that that problem's alleviated for you. Okay. For me, through this story series, looking at the places where we're told of fruitfulness, it has become very clear to me that fruitfulness is this ascent to divine likeness. Right. It's this kind of continual piece of the image of God within you that's being revealed as you work through some of these hard things. Verse 20 is very revealing to me. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. I will bless him. First of all, what have I said numerous times throughout this series that in Hebrew culture and tradition, when a blessing is spoken into existence, it cannot be taken back. It cannot be taken back. Blessings and curses cannot be taken back. I will bless him. And make him fruitful. Make him to participate in my divine likeness. I will make him participate in the character mm -hmm. of me. Passing his ethic in a sense. Passing his ethic into him as a sense. Now, your hiccup. Mm -hmm. God blesses Ishmael with his ethic right. without giving him the covenant. Right. God blesses people with all kinds of things that are outside the covenant. The fact that any person wakes up tomorrow is a blessing of God. 
the fact that we don't fall downstairs or choke on chicken bones or any of the, if we really believe that God is the author and sustainer of life, yeah. then God provides blessings and, and experiences of grace in non-saving fashion every minute of every day. What this text tells me is that even for those outside the covenant, God is still showing his grace and blessings. Mm. Now, I will also say, you if you've been around Wellhouse long enough, you know I need God to be good more than I need him to be anything else. Yeah. Like, I don't need God to be all-powerful. I don't need God to be all-knowing. I don't need God to be a lot of these things that fundamentalism has made God, like, need to be. I don't need God to be all those things. First and foremost, I need God to be good. And Baptists, conservative Baptists, have made a way that God can be good, even dealing with the death, like the fatal infants Mm -hmm. like people who have died before the age of quote-unquote accountability which is not in the bible might mind you like that idea that concept is not in the bible we need to discuss that on pines perspectives we do in the same way who am i to say that there's not some kind of special grace moment for those of abrahamic religions i personally believe that salvation only comes through Jesus. Right. This story only happens and works because of Jesus. Right. But I can look at 90% of Islamic people that show God's character, that show divine likeness. Yeah. Like they may have some pieces that I don't necessarily agree with. And for me, like the bigger issue here is not necessarily even with the Islamic religion. The issue is that the Islamic religion doesn't have the full picture of sacrifice. Right. That God himself did not give himself in Islam. Right. In the same way that God himself did not give himself in Judaism. Right. The two arms of the, the Christian faith, the Abrahamic religions. Christianity is the only one where God himself has given himself in sacrifice for humanity. Right. That's the piece, that's really the only piece I think they're missing. Just like in anything, you know, and, and I know that there are going to be people that are like, well, what about, what about the, the jihad? What about the extremists? There's extremists in everything. If you don't believe me, look at January 6, 2021. Yeah. There are Christian extremists. It, it enraged me. Mm-hmm that we had people storming the Capitol, storming the nation's Capitol, the White House. We've got people storming the White House, waving flags that say Jesus saves. Yep. Jesus does save, bro. Not like this. Yep. There are extremists in any religion. The thing that I'm confident in And the thing that I love about God is that even in moments of tragedy, even in moments where we can't fully comprehend what's happening, and I'm okay saying, hey, I don't really understand all that's happening here, 
but I'm willing to have faith in this moment of doubt Mm. because this story gave me Jesus. Mm. And in giving me Jesus, I can look at this and go, God, I don't know why you couldn't make it happen through Ishmael. I don't know why you cast him out and he's outside the covenant. I don't know why that happened. But even in light of that, thank you so much that you give blessing and fruitfulness to those outside the covenant. That your goodness is bigger than just those who've conformed to what you've asked them to conform to. That your grace and goodness are embodied in you so much that even those outside of your will are cared for and given fruitfulness to pursue in their divine image and likeness.